Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Everett, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're doing a NCAA College Cup preview. We're going to chat a little bit about the potential NWSL draft prospects in light of the College Cup kicking off, and we're doing that with a special guest. We have NWSL and college analyst and former U.S. Women's National Team goalkeeper, Jill Lloyden. Welcome to the show, Jill. Hey, guys. I'm super pumped to talk about this. This is exciting, and hopefully, uh, you know, this helps continue to grow um, college soccer and makes it more visible for these young women and gives them more opportunities to, you know, translate into the professional game. 100%. We're so amped to have you on the show to chat about all things College Cup. Welcome to everyone who is joining us live in the chat. A quick reminder before we start taking a deep dive into everything that you can download and follow us wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe to us on YouTube so that you never miss out whenever we go live. If you have questions for us, you got to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question, and Lisa and I will answer during a mailbag segment. Let's hop into it we've got all kinds of things going on right now uh, across the globe in terms of the world of soccer but we're going to keep it focused here uh in the united states with some really excited collegiate stuff going on right now and we wanted to kind of like merge these two bridges a little bit because a lot of what we've been chatting on the show recently jill is like about like nwsl off season like what's been happening in terms of like free agency we've been chatting a little bit about like what that could look like as that's a a new component that got introduced for the very first time um in nwsl and like watching this expanded format for the college cup and finally getting to the point where it's we're down to this final four teams it sort of like gets in the back of people's heads where it's like, well, we're, we're taking a look at perhaps some players who might make decisions for themselves for that next step in the phase of their playing career. 
but we wanted to like bring this to you, Jill, as someone who's had a ton of experience in the space as a former player and now someone who's doing the analysis, like the whole concept of, of free agency to even be within a women's professional uh, soccer league. We just wanted to sort of get your thoughts and your opinions about sort of finally having something like this in the space. Yeah, I think it was incredibly needed, required, necessary uh, for our league to have free agency for, for two main reasons, in my opinion. is One is you get to choose where you want to go, what coach you want to play for, who you trust, who, can, who you think can develop you. Um, and you look at somebody like somebody I played with, like Amy Rodriguez, and she really struggled when she was in Boston. She played for the Breakers. And then she got picked up through uh, the Philadelphia Independence and like had this resurgence of her career there. Um, and it's just, you know, personal preference, which coaches you have relationships with, which ones um, maybe are a little bit more uh, experts in your position, um, especially for goalkeepers. Um, having your goalkeeper coach that you believe in and trust in can make the world of difference. Um, so I think free agency is important for that reason, for number one, but number two, for the players to be able to go and advocate for themselves and, and get a better contract somewhere, whether it's more years or more money, that's really important. Um, this is the way we make money as a, as a professional and you should be able to advocate for yourself to find the best spot for your, for your, for your future. Right I, I loved that. That was so well put, Jill. Thank you. I know we've been Sandra and I have been chatting about it a lot about free agency and and what's happening in the league. Um, Kelly O'Hara being the biggest name so far to have uh, taken advantage of the free agency, taking the move from Washington Spirit going to Gotham and and strengthening up the back line for New Jersey, New York, uh, heading into this year. But thanks for giving your perspective on that. Now, Kelly O'Hara to Gotham. What do you think of that move defensively? <laughs> well. Gotham certainly needs to figure out the defensive side. Yep. They just were hemorrhaging goals last season. I think upwards of 50 goals Yeah. Um, with Ashlyn Harris retiring. They brought in a few more goalkeepers, which I think will be really important. And then some experience and some leadership on that back line will be good to help solidify that. Yeah, 100%. I know it's the deadline came at November 15th, and I think Lisa and I have just sort of been waiting for, you know, any of those big moves to start dropping. So it's like any single time there's like any sniff of like some news that's been that's been dropped where we're definitely wanting to chat about it. And Gotham seems to be the front runners in terms of the the franchise that's that's making those announcements or or making those headlines. But listen, there's there's some other uh, organizations and schools and, and universities who are making some headlines of their own. We're talking about the NCAA Division I College Cup. It's here. It's official. Final four teams who are going to go head-to-head. It's an exciting time. Get a look at some of these uh, players out there who who may make the choice to, to go pro. And, and for a lot of people, maybe they might get a glimpse, right, for the first time at some of these players who, you know, if they aren't too it, typically in tune to the college game, these happen to be perhaps some of the more prolific games that folks can have access to or try to watch and check out these type of performances. So it's down to the final four, Florida State University, University of North Carolina, Alabama, and UCLA 
matches will take place Friday, December 2nd. God, I can't believe it's December already. We didn't <laughs> talk about that in our icebreaker. Jeez. <laughs> number one, Florida State University versus number two ranked uh, North Carolina. And then that's going to be kicking off at 6 p.m. Eastern. And then we've got number one, Alabama versus number one, UCLA. That's kicking off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Shout out to Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary, North Carolina, also the home of the North Carolina Courage. They will be hosts to this fantastic event. Let's chat a little bit about it because there's a lot at stake in these final two matches. The winners will advance to the NCAA championship that will take place on Monday, December the 5th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Reigning champions, Florida State. Maybe let's start with this game here, FSU versus UNC. Jill, I've got to go to you first on this. You have been keeping a close eye on some of these uh, teams and their colleges just because you've been on, on the call. Tell me what you're looking for out of this particular matchup. I mean, I think that this is a familiar matchup that a lot of people in the ACC are used to seeing. Um, I think it's two teams um, that have a little bit of a different style, um, especially with new leadership under Brian Penske, a bit more athleticism up top for Florida State. But UNC is just a beast in terms of how hard they press for 90-plus minutes. They make those um, – those line changes um, with lots of substitutions. They use a lot of players um, over the course of the 90 minutes and they continue to press and press and press and press. And defensively, they've caused turnovers. They make um, teams make mistakes. They pick off and they profit from those turnovers to look to go to goal. Um, and then they are an attacking side as well. Really, really um, special players on the ball can beat you off of the dribble, can play around, really look to be patient to commit end line, pull the ball back to runners through the midfield. Um, and we've seen players like Sam Mesa be able to navigate that traffic so well in those tight congested areas and play those little slippery passes. And then they've got Ali Sentinor on the, in the wide area. She can drift centrally. Um, Sentinel can come in from the wide area and look to shoot herself, look slip passes. She can expose the space in behind the back line. So um, Florida State has a tall task ahead of them this um, in this in this matchup because UNC can beat you in a multitude of different ways and they just continually fatigue you um, decision-wise, but also physically for 90 minutes. Yeah, I think it's important to touch on that UNC is is like mentally exhausting to defend because of like their off-ball movement and I, I mean everything that you just touched on. But these two programs, it, North Carolina and Florida State, they're prolific, right? Florida State is the reigning champions of the NCAA tournament. Um, UNC didn't have the best uh, time last year in 2021 in the NCAA tournament. They went out in the first round um, against South Carolina. So it's a little bit different this year. But Jill, as you talked about, these two teams know each other really well. And fans of the ACC know them really well because um, they played together. They played against each other all season. Most recently in the tournament final, ACC tournament final in which Florida State won two to one. That was their third straight ACC tournament, their ninth tournament championship in 12 years. So powerhouse at Florida State, like the, for those that haven't been aware or been watching college soccer, um, Florida State has been a powerhouse, as has UNC, but Florida State saw Jalen Howell, who plays in the NWSL now on that winning team last year in 2021 um, and they have some some really top notch players that they have going for them it's it, defensively 
FSU has only conceded one goal in the tournament so far. Um, so that's pretty impressive to see against this team. Now, you look at UNC and coming off of their last match, they just beat Notre Dame um, 2-0. Uh, they were quick early goals from this team. Like they, they got on the board first, they got on the board early, and then they locked it down. So game management, I think, is going to be a really big thing in this match between UNC and Florida State for sure. Game yeah. management, love yeah. to hear it. I think it'll be important and to your point if how much both teams decide to take risks, especially in the opening minutes of the match. And if they're if they're pressing, high pressing, how do they beat that press and how many numbers are they sending forward? I think um, Florida State do a great job of keeping the ball and moving the ball through the thirds, which allows their outside backs to get a bit higher up into the attack. And they've got a, a solid six who can protect the back line, give them a little bit more um, defensive stability when they do have the ball in the attacking third. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, a, a bit of a chess game between these two. Yeah. Jill, I wanted to, to ask you with with your close eye on on some of these Tar Heel games, you know, watching them take down Notre Dame in this previous match, I, I got to say it was really exciting. I think a lot of folks were maybe looking at this kind of game and that it had a feel as sort of a, a title-esque type of, of match between those two programs. What's something out of that game that the Tar Heels, you know, did against the Fighting Irish that they could take into this final game that might maybe give them a little bit of an X factor? Yeah, I really enjoyed watching the counter movement between the forwards and the midfield. Like the forwards would pop off that back line, draw the, the center backs of Notre Dame, and that left some space for Talia Della Pruto to really try to exploit. And that's how they found, I think it was their first goal um, that way. So I, I think all of their interchange up top and their their shifty little movements and their ability to play the final pass, their vision, um, and their ability to beat players off the dribble, I think that that makes them a formidable opponent in the attack. So I love that we have people joining us in the chat right now live on YouTube. Thank you for doing that. Shout out to Barry, who is actually lives in Cary, North Carolina. He said he's going to be at the match on Monday, the final. Um, and he get, drops this little nugget. Of course, UNC is going to have a home crowd cheering them on because they are playing at home at WeekMed Soccer Park. Jill, how much of that is a factor in, in these types of games because fans travel to the championships and the college cup. Like there's so many emotions going into this as a collegiate player, right? So some of these players are so young, 18, and they're coming into this. So how much of the emotions and being at home or, or being in this type of big energy game affects it? I mean, to me, it's not really that big, that important of a factor. I mean, you've got hundreds or thousands of people there cheering and yelling, and I'm sure Florida State will have their own um, entourage of, of fans there to support them. But this game already has the, the, so much pressure on it, right? It is the you're in the College Cup, you're in the Final Four. This is a spot on the championship on the line. It's on ESPN. You got the big wigs, Jen and and Julie, calling the game. Thousands of people watching on TV. This game already has enough pressure on it. So um, surely the players are going to be having to manage that, and, and not really, you know entertaining too much of what's happening in the crowd but I think it, it will feel like a home match I think for both teams yeah I think you could maybe you know if you're on the Florida State side of things you can maybe even use that a little bit to your advantage in terms of like that motivating factor I mean you're this is the they're the reigning champions and perhaps you can maybe flip the script a little bit and say like because these you know because these games are taking place in North Carolina yes the Tar Heels are this 
like historic program, but maybe the pressure is on them as maybe, you know, the team that they're perhaps going to have, you know, yes, that underdog mentality and sort of saying like, hey, like we're going up against the national championships, but you're 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 the team that perhaps has the pressure on you as the quote unquote home side, even though that's maybe not necessarily something that you anticipate once you get into these type of rounds. Is that something that maybe as reigning champions, you know, the Seminoles are, are taking a look at or trying to, to use to, to motivate themselves. You think, I don't think any of those players are motivated by anything other than going out there, giving their best effort and trying their best to win. And maybe it's a a factor before the game, but as soon as that ball kicks, nobody's thinking about motivation of like needing that little extra to work harder. Like these are the best players in our country. This is their job. This is what they go out there and do week in and week out. And so I think it's just, for me, it would be managing that pressure, managing the pressure of being on ESPN, managing the pressure of playing for a national championship and how what's their preparation look like before the match and how are they dealing with those anxieties and those nerves. Um, and then if you do, you know, as a goalkeeper, if you're making if you do make a mistake, how do you recover well from that? So um, I think it's less about motivation and more about just dealing with high pressure situations. Yeah. And I think emotions, because these are are college kids that have some of them waited their whole career for this moment, right? Their whole lives for this moment to play on the biggest stage that some of them will ever play on or have ever played on before getting to this point. And there are so many emotions going into it and your families are there and the crowd is cheering. Um, and, and, and this is, this is, it. this is like the epitome of their career because a lot of them don't go on to play uh, post their collegiate career. So this is it. These are the biggest games they will play in the biggest goals they are school they will score the biggest goals they will defend and they're laying everything out on the line that's why I love watching these games like it gets me so jazzed up to watch these these young kids because they are young and they are still kids at this point and they're in college and and it, this is like the epitome of their fall and then they still have a spring semester so it's like everything crashing down at once and the last semester of your collegiate career is the quickest and the most emotional and uh, everything is all over the place. It's like a roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. Think about it it too. as like, what if these players do go into the pro game, how many actually get to win a trophy in the NWSL for the, um, their international teams? Like it is far and and few between that you actually get to challenge for a trophy um, of this magnitude this late in your career. So most people never get to challenge for a, a trophy in college or in the pro level. And so this is their opportunity. And if anything, I think there's probably more pressure on UNC going into this game because there's such a legacy of, of championships and wins for this UNC program that I think that that if any, if anyone, I think there's more pressure on them. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. 
That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's maybe pivot a little bit and highlight the the other two teams who are going to be participating in this big event. We've got number one versus number one, Alabama versus UCLA. That one is the headliner. That one's kicking off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern uh, in, in Cary, North Carolina. I'm I'm excited for, for this match. I, I got to say, uh, there's something about, um, you know, a program on the rise, right? Sort of continuing, you know, to build what they've been working on uh, throughout the last, few years you know around a specific core class of players and i'm eager to see what what alabama can can bring to to this type of uh event uh, with the with the players that they have how, how about you joe oh my gosh alabama i'm i i, I can say this because i'm not commentating any of these games i'm a massive alabama fan i hope that they take it all i want them to win i'm rooting for them a roll tide i've never yeah. said that in my life but roll tide. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Alabama, you've got a new fan. <laughs> um, they were the darlings of the SEC this year. They didn't win um, the SEC championship, but they did win the regular season. And um, I just I love their style. I love the way that they play. They look to have possession of the ball, but not just possession to have the ball, but in dangerous territory. And they look to create quality goal-scoring opportunities. So they look to dominate teams in that way. And and they're so threatening and dangerous in, in every way. Like they can get around the edge. They can serve from the end line. They can serve from the wide areas. They look to find Parker centrally. They can create set pieces, which Felicia Knox has, can just deliver a ball um, on a platter. They can hit from distance or play these little slip passes in behind. And one thing that I think separates them from most teams is they really like to instigate that press and capitalize on turnovers, like similar to how the OL Reign have um, profited from that in, in the past. And I, I mean, they've got Riley Parker, who's just been an output monster beast. She makes those um, runs in, into the box, looks to find space, and she can hurt. The way that she can finish a ball with her head is unmatched, by, I think, by anyone in college soccer this year. I love that you're giving a shout to Alabama because they this is so well deserved for them. This is their very first college cup in history. Um, they, they lost to BYU last year, who ends up going on to the championship, ends up losing to FSU in the final last year. But they've uh, they're coming into this game off of a three to overtime win to Duke and and they've conceded goals they've they've struggled at times uh to have that bit of consistency but man they can score goals like that's one of the f- most fun things about this Alabama team is that they know how to find the back of the net like you score 3 goals in uh, the quarterfinal coming into the college cup to get this, like it is so hard to score <laughs> goals and they end up continuing to do it. They, they also have two Mac Herman trophy semifinalists on this roster that they have grad student forward, Riley 
Mattingly Parker. Uh, she's number 10. She's got some crazy red, fiery hair. You can't miss her when you're watching her on, on the field. And then Rena Reyes, she's a senior. She plays defensive midi. She pushes up a little bit higher. Uh, number 16, she's helped this team defensively a lot, but she also scored a goal in their last match, uh, pushing them into the College Cup so she can do it on both sides of the ball. Um, uh, this Alabama team is is really fun and exciting to watch. Jill, I can't believe you said Roll Tide. I'm never going to let you live that down. <laughs> but we, we have to look at the other side of it, too, because UCLA is a team that um, is ranked number one coming into this in the United Soccer Coaches poll. Uh, they are a top dog team. They have been, been running this league and, and coming into it. They're coming off of a 2-1 overtime win against UVA. Um, they're back to the College Cup for the first time in three years. So they've hit a bit of a slump. And for those that are NWSL fans, you know that UCLA lost their head coach at the end of last year. Amanda Cromwell, she entered the NWSL to coach at Orlando Pride. She's no longer there anymore. But that meant that UCLA had a brand new head coach this year and Marguerite Awazasa. I believe I'm saying that right. Um, she was hired in late December. She Comes in from Stanford, where she was an assistant coach for years, uh, seven years. She won so many titles at Stanford, including two NCAA championships. Uh, this is a coach that has a pedigree and understands what to do. But to come into a program like UCLA in your very first year and take this team to the College Cup is a tremendous accomplishment because she didn't draft all of these players. She didn't pick them. She didn't build this team. She was just taking what was put in front of her, incredible soccer players, and molding them to be a team, to be a cohesive unit, to go out onto the pitch and play. Uh, but they've got some really good players up top in their in the, some of their forwards. Uh, Sunshine Fontinez, she's number 50. She's out of Hawaii. She is playing tremendous for this UCLA team. But defensively, UCLA is is hard to score against. That's why I love this matchup of Alabama versus UCLA because Alabama is a, a team that leads the nation in goals. Uh, one of they have seventy six goals. They have outscored opponents seventy six to seventeen in this year. Like seventy six goals? Are you kidding me? For one college team, I love that. And and then you look at this UCLA team that defensively is is pretty good on, on their lockdown side. They've got a goalkeeper, Lauren Brisky. Uh, she's a grad student. She's won a number of accolades. She l leads the conference um, in goals against average and shutouts and save percentages and wins. She's got a lot of accolades. So I think the anchor of Brisky in goal for UCLA going up against Alabama's attack is going to be such a tremendous battle. I'm really excited to see these two go head to head as they're the two teams that both needed to go into overtime to settle out and determine who was going to get their place in, in the college cup. Uh, shout out to Lucy saying hasn't seen Alabama play this season, but now I'm really interested in seeing them after that description. Look at everyone. Listen, every, everybody should just listen to whatever Joe Lorden has to say. When it exactly. comes to Alabama. That's why we brought her on here. That's why yeah, we brought gotta, her on here. <laughs> gotta get, look, gotta get the folks amped up for, uh, for, for Alabama roll tide. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I'm eager to see, you know, and then sort of listening to you run the, rattle that set off, Lisa, about about the goals here with with UCLA. I'm I'm a little curious if maybe there's room in the College Cup to have a little bit of end to end kind of like bigger score lines, and I'm a little curious to see if if these are the two teams 
that are going to provide that in in, in this in this matchup. Um, I do wonder if something like going into overtime sort of plays on on the legs or the bodies and moving ahead into this one. But I would imagine with with the time in between the games and and, and the prep and the build up to them that these two teams come kickoff are going to be ready and, 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 and gunning to go. Yeah. I don't think, I think they've had a, enough rest and listen, you're never a hundred percent. Like I can count on one hand, how many times they've ever felt a hundred percent. Nobody needs extra little motivation. This is the final four. Everybody's just going to go out there and give it every single thing they have. I think that's something that separates um, Alabama apart from a lot of teams is they do have a lot of depth and they are the fittest I've ever seen. They come at you for 90 minutes, constant interchange. Their outside backs are getting high, um, whether that's um, in the attack to help provide in the attack or just a little bit higher and invert it so that they can pin teams in and defend higher up the pitch, which takes some pressure off of their goalkeeper and their center backs. Um, who are a little undersized, but they, they'll have a great matchup against Sunshine Fontes, who is, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, one of my favorite players in the NCAA to watch. She is so fun. She loves loves it. I was able to work with her um, with our U-17s, um, our U-17 national team, and being around her, her joy is just so contagious and infectious, and she just loves playing, and you can see the joy because she's so creative with the ball, can beat players in such a – uh, a fun way to watch creative in a multitude of different ways can hit from distance. And I look forward to watching some, some of these matchups to see, you know, can Alabama put enough pressure on, on UCLA um, defensively to keep UCLA further from goal. And if UCLA can break that initial press, I think there's going to be space for them to play. You know, I'm really excited just to see even some of these breakout individual performances, right? Because this is when the opportunity for players to, you know, to get their names really shouted out there. And, you know, we've, we've chatted a little bit at the, at the top of this episode about the the concept of free agency. And there's some things that are going on in the offseason for NWSL alongside that the, the NWSL draft will eventually be here before we know it. That's going to be taking place in, in January in Philly, I believe, on the 12th. Uh, but there's also the Mac Herman trophy for the college side of things that that is something that is to be determined at, at a later date. In fact, we're going to have the actual finalists uh, that will be announced on Wednesday, December 7th. And uh, we'll take a look at some of the semifinalists as of right now. And, and there's a ton of players across this list who will uh, likely feature in, in either of these games for the college cup. Uh, some of the names that stand out right away are, you know, are, are Alabama's uh, players, whether it's a Reina Reyes or O'Reilly Mattingly Parker, as, as we've uh, mentioned already, but uh, Jenna Knight Swanger for uh, Florida State. But there are also players across this list who have been uh, within the overall picture in the buildup to the College Cup, whether it's players who are representing for Notre Dame or Duke, some really young players on this list as well, whether it's a Corbin Albert out of Notre Dame, sophomore, or a Michelle Cooper from Duke, another sophomore as well. Uh, when we're looking at this this list of, uh, of, of players, it's, it's a lot of talent on here does anyone stand out for you jill or lisa uh as far as who we might actually see as one of the one of the finalists 
Ooh, I love that question. Um, this is a this is a tricky one for me. I think that one player that deserves a shout on this list is Florida State senior Jenna Nightswanger. She's a, a forward. Um, she's one of these finalists. She's got 19 career goals at FSU with 34 assists. And this year she has really taken on a leadership role at FSU. Uh, 16 assists, six goals on the year. Um this is a player that has been fun to watch her evolve over the years at Florida State. And and now you get to watch her in the College Cup, right? But um, it's I think it's a little early to tell who's actually going to like be the winner, like really compete for it. I know we're going to find out our finalists coming up in, in the next couple of days because we only have our semifinal list at this point. But you said it, Sandra, the shout for four sophomores on this is fantastic. So often we only see seniors or graduate students, fifth-year players um, making the, the Mac Herman trophy list and, and honestly winning it right like so often it's it's some of those more experienced players uh like Nightswanger. she's one of the seniors on this list well for you do anyone stand out or perhaps maybe anyone that you saw get placed on there and you thought oh that's a pleasant surprise uh yeah i think there's a lot of players uh jada thomas for tennessee who's a young player um tennessee not having the best season in, in postseason this year but she's got a lot of tools taylor huff for tennessee Oh, gosh, she's fantastic, like Rose Lavelle-type kind of player. Um, struggled toward the end of the season, but I think has a lot of tools and, and really interesting. But, you know, I, I'm i looking forward to these players and in, in watching in the Final Four and, and even more so um, to see – I'm intrigued to see who will enter the draft. Um, we, you know, most of these players have a COVID year that they potentially could take. So players like Riley Parker or, or Raina Reyes, you're not sure if they're going to go into the draft, so it'll be interesting to see um, – which players decide to stay and which ones decide to go and try to play pro. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to fourth, uh, the construction in the, in the chat saying I saw Cooper in the U 17 CONCACAF W championship. She played well, but time will tell. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cooper, uh, as well. Young player. Uh, but I'm listen. we, we've seen a, a trend recently with some of these young players, uh, making decisions for themselves, um, at this stage in the career and the way the draft is, sort of built up now with the opportunity to perhaps, you know, put their hat in the ring and uh, get a chance to, to start their, their pro careers early. I, I don't know if that's something that, uh, you know, Cooper has in, in their sights, but we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm looking at this list. It's a lengthy, lengthy list. I would love to, to see somebody like a, a Reina Reyes perhaps, you know, get tabbed for, you know, as a finalist, um, I think it would be very, very cool to sort of uh, see her in the mix there and even possibly uh, win the trophy. I think it would be really, really big also for Mexican international soccer as well. I believe the last time uh, a player to represent at the U.S. collegiate level and the Mexican international level was Teresa Noyolo back in uh, 2011 for, for Stanford. So I think that would be a really, really cool kind of um, coming full circle type of moment as well. So we'll have to take a look back and visit and see who ends up being the three finalists for this. And of course, we're going to keep an eye on the College Cup and the two games and who is going to be our two finalists for the NCAA championship title. Everybody, make sure you tune in to the College Cup. It's going to kick off tomorrow, Friday, December the 2nd. FSU taking on UNC at 6 p.m. Eastern. And then we've got Alabama versus UCLA 
at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And then to follow will be the NCAA championship on Monday, December the 5th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Thank you all so much for listening and joining us on Attacking Third. Download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. You can watch us too. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. A reminder that if you've got questions for us, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question, and we'll answer it during a mailbag segment. And we'll be back with so much more for Sandra Herrera, Lisa Roman, and Jill Lloyden. This was Attacking Thursday.